Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John Newfeld. Well, I'm excited to say today we begin a new third volume of the series, The Triumph of the Lamb from the book of Revelation. So turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12 to 17, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message, The Greatest War in Human History. I've often thought that in some ways, the study of history is a study of war. Peace is merely an interlude as we all reload before war breaks out again. And sometimes wars break out with alarming frequency. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 is telling. It says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. What? Uh, war every spring, kind of like baseball season? This is war season? Well, it appears so. Every spring, young men were dying, women were being made into widows, and sorrows seemed to have no end. It's, it's hard to imagine. In contrast, in the West, we've now lived in a long, protracted period of peace. Ever since the end of World War II, we've not known a war on Western that is on European soil, and for that matter, on North American soil. When there have been wars like the Korean War or the Gulf War and so on, we have waged it on the soil of our enemies without feeling our own well-being threatened every single time. It's fascinating. It should not strike the Christian as strange that right now there's a great and terrible warfare going on in the spiritual realms. It's an invisible war that is, it is unseen to us. But that does not mean that the effects of that war are unfelt or not being played out on our soil. Indeed, we're experiencing the effects of this great war all the time. Right now, the kingdom of God is engaged in a war with the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of darkness. But rest assured, Christians are not dualists. We do not believe that the outcome of this war is in doubt. Indeed, let me state it even more strongly. We believe that at every point in the conflict, God is sovereign. It is only because of his permission that Satan and his hordes are even allowed to fight. But we do not believe that God just enjoys a good fight. Instead, we believe his eternal purposes are being served in this conflict. But nonetheless, the purposes of God are under a great spiritual attack. Beginning today and going on for the next three weeks, I want you to join me in a study of Revelation 12 to 17. In the past, I've done a study first on Revelation 1 to 5 and then on Revelation 6 to 11. But since it has been some time since we've studied the book of Revelation, I think it's fitting to do some review before I give a foretaste of what we're going to find in chapters 12 to 17. The book of Revelation has a theme. That theme is the glory of Jesus Christ and the utter triumph of his kingdom. No, the kingdoms of this earth do not have the final word on this earth. Neither do wars or disease and disaster and what have you. They are not going to continue until this earth finally expires with a dying gasp. Instead, Jesus is begun to reign on this earth. His first coming signaled that the long-awaited promises of God are beginning to tumble into the present hour. But his coming also signaled the beginning of a great and terrible spiritual war waged in the heavenlies and felt upon the earth. Before Christ's utter triumph, a great war is engaged. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. 
But Revelation is not just about a spiritual war in the spiritual realm. It is about the great spiritual warfare that has engulfed the church of Jesus Christ here on earth. And listen up, that war has already been won. As Revelation 5 verse 5 confidently proclaims, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. That in context is a reference to Christ's sacrificial and substitutionary death on the cross and his triumphant resurrection from the grave. Once that event was accomplished, Satan had already been defeated. Well, if he is defeated, what's all this spiritual warfare about? Imagine the horrible sacrifice that was paid by the Allied forces in World War II as they invaded the beaches of Normandy. The date is June 6, 1944. The United States, Britain, and Canada, among others, sent their bravest men to die on those beaches on the northern coast of France. This battle was the largest naval battle in human history as the Allied forces paid with their lives to capture that foothold in France. But once the battle was done, one thing was clear. That battle marked the defeat of Nazi Germany. That is to say, after Normandy, the battle still went on, but the Nazis were defeated already. And because of the imminence of defeat, they fought with ever-increasing ferocity, knowing their doom was at hand. And that's precisely what's happening today, as the Church of Jesus Christ feels the full fury of a great unseen war being fought in the heavenly realms. Now, I know that once having stated the theme of Revelation, that is, the book is about the complete and utter triumph of the Lamb, that we still have to deal with the details of the book. As most of us know, Revelation can be a very difficult book to interpret, and there are some disagreements among faithful Bible-believing Christians about some of the details. That's because the book employs a method of communication that has been called apocalyptic literature. It constantly makes use of images, like, like the image of the lamb who is a lion, the image of a beast, a dragon, the image of a prostitute sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names. The woman is holding a golden cup in her hand, and she is drunk from drinking the blood of God's people. What does all that mean? And if we understand what it means, when will these things happen? Now, I have discussed my approach to Revelation in the past, but I think it's worthwhile to very briefly reiterate how I approach this book. First, even though the book is different than any other book in the New Testament, I think, when it comes to understanding the book, we should employ the same tools we use with any other biblical book. We begin by asking the most basic of all questions. Who is the author? When was the book written? Who were the recipients of the letter? Or to whom was the letter written? And once we know that, what did the book mean to those who originally received it? And then, on the basis of that, we're in a place where we can now apply it to ourselves today. So, from the beginning. This book was written by John, the apostle of Jesus, who is also the author of the Gospel of John and the three letters of John. Second, this book was written somewhere around A.D. 95, when the Roman emperor Domitian was ruling, and when a great many Christian churches were being persecuted. Third, the book is written as a message from Jesus Christ to the seven churches in Asia Minor, or in an area of the world that we now call the nation of Turkey. These seven churches were under threat, a very serious threat that threatened their very existence. 
They were in full warfare mode. Some of these churches were being persecuted. Others were compromising with the surrounding paganism of the day, falling prey either to idolatry or sexual immorality or just complacency. But in any case, what was happening to these churches was the result of a great cosmic spiritual warfare. They were locked in a warfare for their faith and for their eternity and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've said it before, and I need to say it again right here. In one sense, everything that is said in Revelation is directly applicable to these seven churches. Whether the picture of the beast or the prostitute drinking the blood of the people of God, these images are a picture of what it is that these believers are experiencing. And from that, we too, Christians today, need to apply these same images to our situation, learning that we are locked in a great cosmic spiritual battle, a battle that will ultimately be resolved when Jesus Christ returns again and utterly defeats the powers of darkness. But, and I must add to what I've said, this book is also about the future because we see in the end of the book, Christ returns and he is triumphant over all. And so even while the events in the book are a description of the present warfare, they are also a description of a great warfare that will occur at the end of time. That's the drama of the book of Revelation. But now, how is the message of the book or the drama presented? Well, on the one hand, Revelation is very easy to outline. The book has an introduction and a conclusion. The introduction presents John as an exile on an island off of Greece, Patmos, which served as a Roman penal colony. One Sunday, as John was worshiping, Jesus comes to him and gives him the content of this book. In the middle of the book are four visions. The first is a vision of Christ speaking to his church, or in this case, to the seven churches, both encouraging and rebuking them. The second vision is a vision of the heavenly realities that all Christians should know. That includes the vision of the throne room of God and of a great spiritual warfare we've been talking about. The third vision is a vision of the final triumph of the Lamb when Christ returns. And the final and the fourth vision is the vision of the heavenly Jerusalem and the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And then the conclusion. And in the conclusion comes a wonderful invitation. Come, enter into the kingdom of God. Great news! Our international ministry efforts in partnership with Back to the Bible India are making a great inroads. Now the broadcast out of India can be heard not only throughout the majority of that country, but now with our new radio partnership into the countries of Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Burma, Vietnam, Afghanistan, and parts of Iran, to name a few. And recently, we've been blessed to hear from listeners in Pakistan, Kenya, and Tanzania. In 2018, our budget for maintaining this great ministry partnership will be $75,000. This includes the broadcast of the program on air and online, impacting all these countries with the gospel, as well as conducting two more pastor and church leader Bible training conferences in June. Please continue to support our international efforts. So much can be accomplished with your prayers and support. Call us today at 1-800-663-2425 or donate online at backtothebible.ca. The second vision of the book of Revelation, the 
vision of the heavenly and spiritual reality behind what's happening to the church makes up the majority of this book. Revelation presents us with a series of events, all of them happening in sevens, indicating that God's work is perfect and complete. The first seven is the breaking of the seven seals. And from my understanding of the book, the seals represent the experience of the people of God as they await the events of the end. The second seven is the blowing of seven trumpets. You know, in my previous study, I said that I think that the seven trumpets indicate the time of the end. Sometimes we refer to this as the great tribulation or a time period in which God begins to judge the world for their sins. I've discussed all of that in my last series on Revelation. And then beginning at Revelation chapter 12, part of what we're going to study in this three-week study are seven significant visions that give a sense of what the present spiritual and future warfare of the church is all about. And then having presented seven visions of war, from chapter 15 and 16, we are presented with seven angels holding seven massive bowls filled with the wrath of God, which they empty by pouring them out onto the earth. And when the bowls are poured out, all human rebellion against God comes to an end. In other words, I understand the pouring out of the seven bowls of God's wrath as the end of the Great Tribulation and the final destruction of the city of man, both the rebellious rule of the Antichrist and the end of the human experiment of life without God. Now, that's the drama we're going to explore over the next three weeks. But, but before we begin, I need to ask and answer a number of questions that you might have thought of. Well, here's the first. Does the book of Revelation present us with a picture of the spiritual warfare that's going on right now? Or is it about a great spiritual battle at the end of the age, that is, during the Great Tribulation, that is, a time yet to be revealed? Now, that's a great question. Is it about what's happening now or what's going to happen in the future? Now, do you see, if it's about the spiritual realities we're presently facing, then, well, you can easily see how we might apply this book to our own lives. We don't then have to ask how it's going to be in the future. I mean, are we going to see a one-world currency and when is there going to be a 10-nation confederacy and so forth? then we'll also be able to see how this book was used to encourage the seven churches who originally received this message. Sounds great, right? Well, but that, I think, is only partially true. You see, from my understanding, the idea that Revelation speaks to the reality of the people of God is surely true of the first seven chapters of the book. But starting with chapter 8, that is, the blowing of the seven trumpets, I think the book speaks about the future time of the end when the trumpet is sounded and a new level of warfare comes into being in which Antichrist and the final, ultimately evil world civilization first rises to prominence and then second falls under the victorious hand of Jesus. And so I view much of this book as future. But having said that, that would not make it meaningless to the seven churches who first received this book. Indeed, what happens at the end of the age is merely an intensification of what's going on right now. See, think about it this way. I'm reading 1 John 2, verse 18. It says, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. See, notice the progression. 
On the one hand, this is the last hour. That is to say, from the perspective of the New Testament, after Jesus has been crucified and then raised from the dead, from that moment, Satan has been defeated, and from that moment on, we are in the last days. This is the last hour. We've been in the last hour for the last 2,000 years. But, says John, the Antichrist is coming. An event that has not yet arrived is still on the way. The great evil society lies ahead. The final end-time civilization will yet be revealed. There are some future events that are before us. Revelation, especially in chapters 12 to 17, the chapters we're going to be discussing in detail, explain the rise of Antichrist at the end of the age. And so, yes, Revelation is all about future events. And then John adds, so now many Antichrists have come. See, I would argue that during the time when both Peter and Paul were martyred for their faith, the Roman emperor Nero was a madman, extending his hand to persecute the people of God. He was an antichrist, although he was not the antichrist who arises at the end of the age. The same was true for the emperor Domitian, who was the Roman emperor at the time when Revelation was written. His persecution against the people of Jesus Christ shows that he also was an antichrist. And so let me make application. You see, I would argue that in our day, nations and leaders who oppress the church of Jesus are antichrists that have come into the world. This is our spiritual battle today. The final antichrist is the intensification of evil that has been seen all over the world in all time periods. And that, I think, is a wonderful template to understand this wonderful book of Revelation. Yes, the trumpets and the bowls are yet to come in the future, but that doesn't mean we can't apply what we learn there to ourselves today. We've not yet come to the end of the age, but we too see the very same principles of spiritual warfare at work in our day. Wow, it's a very long answer to whether I see the book as a futurist book or not. Answer, yes, I do, but I see the book very much applicable to our day. It's not a book that tells us when Russia is going to invade Israel, but rather explains the nature of warfare that will only intensify in future days. You know, the next question to ask and answer is a far more difficult one because it inspires such passion among so many of us. I know it's on many minds, so let's ask and answer it. What is my view about the church in the end of the age? Is is the church there to go through the tribulation? Now, if you've listened to my previous series on this book, you will have noticed that I never discussed that issue, that is, the issue of the pre-tribulational rapture of the church there. And why is that? Well, the answer should be obvious. The book of Revelation never mentions the concept. There is no place in Revelation in which it says, now the church is taken out of the way or taken up into heaven. And, And so, since the book doesn't raise that issue, I've chosen not to as well. And so when asked, do you believe in the rapture? My answer is always the same. Of course, I believe in the rapture. Every Bible-believing Christian believes in the rapture or the catching up of the church of Jesus Christ to be with her Savior for eternity. Yeah, of course, I believe in the rapture. But, But listen up. The question on which many Christians disagree is the question of timing. See, don't you see, so many of us have distanced ourselves from other believers because we think that the timing of the rapture will be either before the tribulation or after the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation and so forth. 
I, for my part, find this a fruitless discussion because that question is simply not raised in the Scripture. When I make mention of the church during the Great Tribulation, I'm going to give my listeners the following liberty. You might believe the church has been raptured before the tribulation. Well, fine and well. Why would you be in conflict with me or I with you? Look, it's clear that the people of God are mentioned all throughout this book, and they are locked in spiritual warfare right until the point that Christ returns. And look, some of you might say, well, the church was raptured, and these saints that are mentioned here in Revelation were one to Christ during the tribulation. Well, fine and well. Others will say, well, no, no, these were always the saints that went all the way through the tribulation. But either way, why should we allow that discussion to distract our study? Since the Bible doesn't speak to that issue, it seems to me that it's irresponsible to be in conflict with Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, gospel-preaching fellow Christians on this matter. So I simply leave it. Now, one more question. Is there a place for Israel in the last times? So let me respond very simply here, and then I'm going to try to explain myself as we continue on in our study. The answer is yes. Israel does have a special role to play in the end of the age. Yes, I do believe that. And so here's my invitation. Roll up your sleeves and enjoy this study of Revelation 12 to 17. Let it challenge you. Let it open your mind to the great spiritual realities that are all around you. Understand that you right now are locked in spiritual warfare, a warfare that will increase and intensify in the end of the age. But have no fear. Christ is coming soon. John, a great way to start this series. Let me ask you a quick question, though. In respect to spiritual warfare, uh, we're often reluctant to discuss that type of thing. Yeah, this is the picture of the church at war and the picture of a great warfare in the heavenlies. And it's frightening to some people to think that all of the Christian life is about a battle, and it's a battle that Christ is going to win. Uh, Some of us would rather be at ease. I think that's the answer. Uh, We live here in the West, and we've had this long period of peace, and so we're just going to assume that the Christian life is helping us, you know, to feel more confident in ourselves and all these other things rather than this warfare, again, in the heavenly realms. But that's the picture of Revelation. Thanks so much, John. Remember to join us again tomorrow for day two of our new series, The Triumph of the Lamb, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. Celebrate 60 years of Back to the Bible Canada in 2018. 60 years of ministry possible because of your prayers and support. In celebration, we'll be announcing special events, activities, and resources throughout 2018, including our 60th anniversary CD series featuring founder Theodore Epp and Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld. This is our commemorative gift to you for free. Just ask. Other upcoming events include a weekend of celebration in Tabor, Alberta, March 23rd to the 25th with Dr. John Newfeld, Phil Calloway, and the Weebs. More events will be announced soon. Keep up to date by visiting our events page at backtothebible.ca. Thanks for making 60 years possible, and thank you for continuing to support this Bible teaching ministry. 
For more information about all the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada or to make a donation, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.